And let us stand now and uh, read these words, maybe the last words from Paul as he writes to Timothy in his second letter, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Let us read these words together. You take over. I'm about to die. My life and offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish, believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting, God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today marks the end of our sermon series, The Call. For the last several weeks, we've been learning about the Apostle Paul uh, and, and how he was called by God to go and to spread the good news, to go to travel really the world over as they knew it, to start new churches uh, and to write and to encourage them. And so we've been learning about the call on uh, Paul the Apostle, and we've also been learning that God has called us. God has called us and continues to call us throughout our entire lives and even those who go on after us. That God is still in the activity of calling people. God is still in the activity of using you and I to bring God's kingdom upon this earth. And that's what we've been learning these last several weeks. Uh, last week we learned, and if you have a sermon notes, I invite you to take those out. Uh, last week we learned that, that Paul called the early church to what, friends? Love. Paul called the early church to love. Uh, Paul knew that Christians would be known not as people who who gave back in the order that they received. Paul knew that Christians would not be known as people who were vindictive or mean, but as people who loved, as people who loved, and and not just this ordinary kind of love, not just this "I'll, I'll like you as long as you're nice to me kind of love, but this radical, earth shattering kind of love. And we read about it in uh, 1 Corinthians. Maybe you've heard this passage uh, before. Paul writes this about love, that love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not, resu- uh, it does not insist on its own way, but, and it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That Paul writes about this kind of love, and he says this is not just any ordinary kind of love. This is agape. This is God's kind of love. This is a life-changing kind of love that only comes from God. And when this love comes to us, we can't help but to show it. Paul says the world will change, not just by this loving people who love us, but loving in this radical kind of way, and this way is only possible through experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. This love is only possible from knowing Jesus Christ. Last week, we were also challenged uh, to, to engage our other with love. We were invited to consider who is your other? Who, who is somebody that, that you maybe even are opposed to? Uh, maybe in this election year, it's the Republicans or the Democrats, right? Maybe it's that, that other side, those people who just don't seem to get it. Uh, or maybe it's someone else, maybe a neighbor, somebody who was formerly a friend. Whatever it is, we were called to engage those people with that kind of love, with this earth-shattering kind of love that would truly change the world. We learned about this love in, in the letter to First John, and it says this, that there is no fear in love, but perfect 
love casts out what? Fear. Perfect love casts out fear. That we as Christians, once we are baptized, are called to go on to perfection, to go on to be more and more like Jesus Christ who was perfect. And what we know is that this perfect love casts out all kinds of fear. This is what we were challenged to do last week. And as we learn about Paul, we learn about the end of his life. That he continues to write to Timothy, who was a dear friend of his, who continued the ministry that Paul started. And he writes to him, and he compares his life, as he does in many different letters, to a race. He compares his life to a race. And so I, I want to ask you a question. What will you do at the finish line? What will you do at the finish line? For Paul, the the finish line was literally the end of his life, that he considered his entire life this race, and he considered the saints, those people who had passed before him, those, those people who had gone on to heaven as encouraging him to run this race. And I would invite you to consider the same thing, that that your life as a race, and maybe consider at the end of your life, what will that look like? And how will you finish that race? And so maybe today God is speaking to you, asking you to consider what does the end of your life look like? What will happen to to all of the resources that you've accrued? What will happen to all those things, and will those things be used to bless others? Or maybe the inverse might be true. What will happen to the debt that you've accrued? And who will be responsible for paying that off? Maybe today God is speaking to you and asking you to consider what does that finish line look like for your life? How will you be remembered? Or or maybe God is asking you to consider a different kind of finish line. Maybe there's a task before you that you are called to finish, right? Maybe it's a career. Maybe God is inviting you to consider changing careers and, and what that might look like in your life, and maybe that's your finish line. Or maybe you're serving or or volunteering in some other way and you're called to finish that. And what does that look like in your life? Or or maybe your children are growing up and you're called to transition to a different style of life and you're called to finish one phase so that you can start another. And God is asking you, what does that look like in your life? What will you do at the finish line? When I was in junior high, I was in track, not because I was necessarily a good runner, but because I had a lot of energy, and my parents wanted to make sure I ran it all out before I got home, and I really wasn't that good at track, and the coach didn't really know where to put me, and so he put me on the 400 meters, right, just one lap around, that's all I had to do, and the coach drove into us over and over again the importance of finishing strong, right, he said, you know, the fastest you should be running is at the end of the race, Right? The fastest you should be running is right through the finish line. Right, Coach Brennan? Are we doing good? So the fastest you should be running is at the, at the finish line. And, and so I internalized this, and I wanted to make sure that you know, I was going to finish really strong. And so what that meant is that whenever we started, everyone else passed me. Right? I, I was just saving up all my energy, like, oh, they're going to get it. Right? You know, and, and they're all running behind. And then about halfway through, I just start to just run like twice as fast and just start to sprint. But at that time, it didn't really matter. Right? I mean, they were all so far ahead of me that, that really all I was trying to do was not be last. You ever ran that race where you're just like, not last? That's all I got to do, just not get last. And so 
I, I, I would beat the second to last person, and, and, and my victory, my finishing strong meant that I wasn't last. Paul is inviting you to consider, what does that finish line look like in your life? What does finishing strong look like in your life? We, we all have this temptation to really just kind of give up at the end, to kind of slack off just a little bit before we finish. And You know, maybe you've experienced this. When you, when you transition jobs, you know, when you, you know that you're going to do a new thing and, and, and you first learn about this, right? Maybe you've got some months ahead and you say, you know, okay, I'm going to transition from this job and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to finish strong, right? I'm going to do a lot of work right up to the end and I'm going to do all that. And then, you know, a week before you leave comes up and, and you know, you kind of just like, well, you know, I can, I can slack off now. I mean, who's, who's really going to know? Or, you know, maybe you volunteered for something, right? Maybe it was like, like the HOA or, or PTA or something or whatever it was. And maybe you got that, like that dreaded file, right? That, that dreaded file of documents of all the meetings that have ever happened before under this kind of board, you know? And, and the previous president just comes to you and hands this like huge like file to you. He's like, here you go, you know? And, and they're just done. And, and you get all that. You're overwhelmed. And, and, and when you first receive that, your first thought is like, I'm not going to do that to the next person. Right? Your first thought is, you know, I'm going to organize this and I'm going to be really, you know, just really uh, task oriented and we're going to get some stuff done and I'm not going to do this to the next person. Right? And, and then you realize that you're stepping down and, and you start to slack off. And, and before you know it, it's time for you to hand over those documents it's that same stack. Right? It's that same pile and you just hand it off and you're just like, here you go, good luck. You know, and you, and you just hand it off. We've all done this in our life. We've all dropped the ball right before the end zone. We've all done this thing before. And so I'd invite you to consider, what does that finish line look like for you? What does it look like for you to finish strong? Well, for Paul, it was doing the ministry even near the end of his life. That when Paul wrote this letter, it is likely that he wrote to Timothy near the end of his life and maybe even while in Roman prison. Paul knew the end was coming. Paul knew that his death was near. And even in that time, he continued to write to, to churches to encourage them in the faith, to evangelists like Timothy who were going around starting new churches. Paul spent the last times of his life doing this very thing. That's what it meant for Paul to finish strong. And it's an incredible story. While he's in this Roman prison, he continues to write these letters. And, and while he's, uh, before he goes to prison, he begins his last journey, his last missionary journey. He knows it will be his last. And so he stops in a town called Miletus. And he invites this Ephesian church, a church that he helped start. He invites these Ephesian Christians to come down to Miletus. And he says this to them in the book of Acts. He says, and now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. He says, none of you will ever see my face again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I'm not responsible for the blood of any of you, and I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. He says, keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. So Paul gathers these Ephesian Christians around a town of Miletus, and he says, none of you will ever see my face again. I am positive that this is my last missionary journey, that I, in fact, will die on this trip. Can you imagine starting that trip? I mean, I mean, if you knew that the end of your life was near and you spent most of the last half of your life doing good works, 
You spent most of the last half of your life starting churches, encouraging Christians in the faith and doing all these things. You might think, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to, you know, go retire on a beach. I'm going to take it easy. And Paul says for him to finish strong means he's going to go on one more missionary journey, one that he is sure will be his last. And so Paul travels and begins his road to Jerusalem. But before he gets to Jerusalem, Paul travels from Miletus to Caesarea. He travels from Miletus to Caesarea, and, and while he's there, more Christians come to him and encourage him not to go to Jerusalem. They say this a little bit later in the book of Acts, that uh, Luke writes, while we were staying there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came from the town of Judea, and he came to us and took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands with it, and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is the way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we got up and the people urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Can you imagine this? You know you will die. You, you know you will die and you stop in Caesarea before you go into Jerusalem. It's a town that's hotly contested. And before you get there, somebody tells you they will bind you up, Paul. They will torture you and they will kill you if you go into Jerusalem. You've had a good ministry Paul. Take it easy. Relax. But Paul persists and goes on to Jerusalem. He travels from Caesarea to Jerusalem where he is arrested. Paul goes to Jerusalem and he brings friends with him into the temple. And he's arrested because some of those friends are not Jewish. In fact, they are Gentiles. They are Greeks. I, I, I find it just, you know, just very poetic very poetic that, that Paul is arrested for bringing outside people into the temple, right? Paul's entire ministry has been to welcome Gentiles into the faith to follow Jesus. And here he is arrested for taking people who were considered on the outside and bringing them in, for saying that these people are also included in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Paul does this and is arrested for bringing Gentiles into the church, and so he's taken into prison in Jerusalem where he is tried by several courts. And, and finally, they find out that, that Paul is a Roman citizen. And, and Paul insists on being tried in Roman court. And so he travels um, from, uh, he's transported from Jerusalem to Rome where he is put under house arrest and then put into prison. Now, the journey throughout Paul's ministry has been hundreds of miles uh, you can see here on the map, he really does travel what is known as the entire world. You can see Jerusalem down here at the bottom of the map, travels up to, uh, came there from Caesarea, and he's taken from Caesarea all the way through the Mediterranean Sea where they are shipwrecked in Malta for a bit. Uh, they, while Paul is being transported as a Roman prisoner, the, the ship uh, breaks up and, and many people start to drown, and Paul actually saves Roman guards' lives, and they are cast out on the island of Malta before they eventually travel back up to Rome. This is Paul's last journey of, of uh, hundreds of miles, and while he's in Rome, he is put into prison, and it is even there that he chooses to finish strong to continue to write letters to the early church. Uh, this sermon series, The Call, is adapted from a uh, sermon series of the same na name at Church of the Resurrection, where um, Reverend Adam Hamilton is the preacher, and he actually had an opportunity to go to Rome uh, to see uh, Paul's uh, prison, his last place that he ever lived before he was executed. Let's take a look together. 
We're standing here in the upper level of the Mamertine prison. And this was an ancient cistern that in the 6th century before Christ was converted into a prison. Prisoners were brought here just before their executions. And, uh, and in this place, tradition says that both Peter and Paul spent their last hours, their last days before they were executed. So this grate was lifted up and the prisoners were lowered down through the grate into the darkness and into the dampness of the Mamertine prison, the dungeon. And, uh, and as we look at this, I think about Paul writing his letters from prison. And when he talks about writing his letters from prison, you know, I imagine him in a dungeon like this. Now, he was under house arrest for a couple of years, and so he would have written letters while he was under house arrest. But if he wrote another letter here from this prison cell, uh, we can imagine him dictating those words out of the darkness down below to someone who would be writing it, taking it down above. Friends, I ask you, what does your finish line look like? What will you do at that finish line? For Paul, it was going this last missionary journey. This last missionary journey, and even near the end of his life, when he knew his execution was coming, as he is placed in a hole where there is no light, he asks for someone to stand up above so that he can dictate another letter to go out to Christians and encourage them in the faith, so that others could receive encouragement from someone who is in prison. Do you realize the irony in that statement that that other Christians are receiving encouragement from this man who is bound up, who has no rights as a citizen now, who was placed into prison, and he is encouraging other Christians in the faith? Friends, what will you do at the finish line? Maybe that means, what does the end of your life look like? How will you finish the race of your life? What will happen to your resources? What will happen to your children? And if that should come sooner rather than later, and maybe this is a time that God is calling you to put all those things into order. Or maybe God is asking you to consider to finish something. To to finish some task or some project that you've started. That you've spread yourself too thin. I would encourage you, friend, to consider that we are all called to finish something because we can't do everything. Amen? We, we are called to finish something because we can't do everything. Right? It should be plain to see that, that we can't just keep picking up tasks throughout our life and taking on this or that, and by the end of our life, we've just done everything. It's not possible, friends, that we're called to finish something. What, what does that look like in your life? Maybe you're called to transition you know, out of this responsibility that you took on, and you're called to finish that strong. And what does that look like? Or maybe you are called to finish a career so that you can transition to another area. And I would invite you to consider, friends, those of you here, I would invite you to consider that, that, that maybe, just maybe, one or more of you are called to finish the career, the responsibility that you're doing now, so that you can start a work in full-time ministry. That maybe someone here is called into ordained ministry, that you are called to finish something so that you can start this path. I would invite you to just consider that for a moment. 
I would also invite you to consider that one of the number one responses that when God calls somebody in the Bible, when God calls somebody, the number one response is not me, right? That's a little comforting, right? That, that, that one of the number one responses is not I, Lord. Uh, what we read in, in the book of Exodus, God calls Moses, and Moses said, no, you've got the wrong person, right? I, I'm the last person that you should pick. Now, that Moses was near the, the later years of his life, that, that he was looking forward to retirement, and God called him. We also read that God chose Mary, a teenager, that, that God chose her to be the mother of Jesus Christ. What we read is that God calls all people into ministry. And I want to invite you to consider, just pray for a moment that maybe, just maybe, God is calling you. God is calling you to finish something you are doing now so that you can start a work in full-time ministry. Because the truth is, Acts 2 has had a rich history of people being called out of this church into ministry. Uh, Today, 10 people have been called from Acts 2 into full-time ministry. That's an incredible legacy, friends. That's an incredible legacy that the Holy Spirit have worked in this place so that people can leave here and go into full-time ministry. Just last June, four of them were ordained. Four of them were ordained in ministry, and we got to celebrate that with them. It's an incredible work, friends, that this church is doing to allow God to speak to us and that we could invite to consider just one moment that maybe God is calling you. Just push back that not me. Just, just push past that, that not me just for one moment so that we might consider that maybe God is calling you. Friends, whatever it is, I would invite you to consider to, to finish something and finish it strong. Because the truth is it's a practice. Finishing strong is a practice that if we can finish one task just well, if we can finish it well, then maybe we can finish the next thing and the next thing, and then maybe we can keep doing that to the end of our life so that we can actually finish the end of our life strong and, and, and run through the finish line. Because here's the truth, that, that finishing strong is the hardest thing that, that we will ever do, and maybe even the last thing that we will ever do. But it's what we will be known for, friends. invite you to consider, what does that look like in your life? For Paul, it was this missionary journey. And even when he got to Caesarea, even when he got to Caesarea, he's preparing to go into Jerusalem, and he knew he'd be imprisoned there, and, and Agabus comes to him, and he says, you will be bound, you will be tortured, and you will be killed if you go into Jerusalem, even when he receives this word. He says this in the book of Acts chapter 21. He says, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to what? To die. Not only be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does finishing strong look like for you? And what will you do at that finish line? Your action steps for this week, friends, are to finish something. Finish something or, or, or plan at least on finishing strong. Maybe the end of your life and putting those things in order. Or maybe this task in front of you saying, you know, I've got I've to complete this. I've got to do this well. I've got to finish strong. There's a story of a German Lutheran pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
Bonhoeffer lived during the rise of Nazi Germany as Adolf Hitler came into power. And as he watched this happen, he, he watched the German Lutheran church profess faith in Adolf Hitler as chosen by God to be the leader of Germany. And, and Bonhoeffer adamantly opposed of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime. And he even used his opportunity as he preached on the radio to speak out against Adolf Hitler and was cut off mid-sentence from speaking. He chose this at every opportunity he had to speak out against this oppression, against the violence. He was even involved in the, in the plot to, to kill Adolf Hitler. Until he was finally arrested and placed in a German concentration camp. And it was at this time, in the, near the end of his life, he knew he would never be released. He knew that he would die in this camp. That he chose this time to write letters to friends and to family. He chose to write letters to other Christians that he knew to encourage them in the faith. He writes this, The day will come when people will once more be called to speak the Word of God. People will be called to speak the Word of God in such a way that the world is changed and renewed. It will be in a new language, perhaps quite non-religious language, but liberating and redeeming like Jesus' language so that people will be alarmed and yet overcome by its power. The language of a new righteousness and truth. A language proclaiming that God makes peace with humankind. And that God's kingdom is drawing near. That even in this prison, even in the last stages of his life, Bonhoeffer believed that the kingdom of God was drawing near. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I ask you, what will you do at the finish line? Will we get tired? Will we stop running? Will, will we slow down? Or will we pick up? Will we run the fastest we've ever ran? Will we work the hardest that we've ever worked? Will we continue to believe that the kingdom of God is near? What will you do at the finish line?